A bad moon in Washington, D.C. <laughs> We've got bad moons everywhere, people, and they are beginning to cast their spell on what's left of this country. And uh, we were talking during the break there, folks, and uh, I also want to remind you folks again, get out there, find a way to support RBN as best you can. And it will be very much appreciated, I promise you. And, uh, you know, we don't make any money from this. But what we want to do is to try to provide truth to the American public because it's very hard to find in any other venue, I promise you. Well, while we were talking off the air and we got our good buddy Cal back again, and hopefully, uh, you know, the powers that be don't throw him in Lake Havasu again, uh, we uh, were talking about the correlation between what happened in 1787 at the convention and the fact that the northern politicians wanted to make sure that they could control the south. Now, here's something I want to throw in, gentlemen, that I haven't up until this point. And that was in 1785, after the war was over, a lot of the northern industry went to their various state legislatures and said, look, we need some protection from our products. What we make, we need to be able to sell it, and therefore we need some kind of uh, uh, taxes or something placed on the products of England at the ports when they come in to make them more expensive so that people will buy what we make instead of what they make. And several northern states all went along with this. They imposed some pretty heavy tariffs. Well, the South was agricultural. It was not industrial. And the South would not impose these heavy imposts or taxes on the what was coming in from England because they felt that their quality was better and they weren't going to tax it so that their people couldn't afford it. And so that, again, was one of the reasons that the Federalists rushed to create this new Constitution. Because the southern states were able to establish their own tax structure for imports. And again, they wanted to import what they thought was best. Well, if we jump here to 1860 we find that the South was paying 80% plus of the entire revenue for the country. And yet, that money that was being collected was not being spent in the South. It was being spent in the North for their improvements. And so we have, in effect, in many cases, the same dynamic here. And so I'm going to jump to my buddy Cal... And Cal, hit that uh, uh, button there, buddy. There you go. And tell us your thoughts on that subject, please. Well, the North was, you know, pre up leading up to 1860, was doing exactly what Patrick Henry said. They were controlling the South through taxation, through tariffs. You know, taxation known as tariffs. They were putting protective tariffs on goods, making it... Favorable for the South at the or favorable for the North at the expense of the South, and as you pointed out, the South ended up paying an 
way overwhelming the amount of the total revenue into the United States Treasury. And, and so they succeeded to get away from it. They tried everything else. It's like, well, this isn't working for us. Let's just get out of this this mess. And of course, if you were a sovereign state, you'd be able to leave when you chose to leave, wouldn't you? But I guess if you're not sovereign because you surrendered it, you're not going to be able to leave just like that, are you? So Absolutely not. Uh, so, you know, for all those who keep saying the states are sovereign, well, I beg to differ because the, the so-called left, wrongly named Civil War proves that. Because if you're sovereign, you can leave at your will. Well, uh, so. gentlemen, I've, I've probably been rather caustic in this response, but I've told people before who tell me, oh, well, you know, uh, the Second Amendment means what it says, and the Tenth Amendment means what it says, and we can enforce that because it's our right. I've said to them many times, well, when the government passes their next red flag law, you know, let's take the guns first, uh, due process second. Uh, when the next federal uh, law comes around that says that you can't own this or you can't own this, folks, don't call a lawyer. Well, you could call a lawyer. Her name's Chris Ann Hall. Or you could call David Barton or the Tenth Amendment Center to represent you in your legal case or to either that or to pay for your coffin after the feds kill you for resisting. So anyway, uh, Cal, jump in there, buddy, and help me out. Well, uh, well, let's look at, you know, let's go back to Lexington and Concord. When the crown came after the arms, did the people call the lawyers? <laughs> no. They, okay, so let's let's bring that up then. To, and those people are considered heroes for what they did, correct? They oh, used yes. force against those who were going to usurp their liberty or infringe upon their rights. Let's throw that into today. Let's say that there's a red flag law and, and the cops show up on some guy's porch and the guy takes matters into his own hands just as like the Minutemen did. Is that guy going to be a, considered a patriot or is he going to be considered an enemy? A felon. People? He'll be a felon. be a felon. Now, does, that, does, does that speak volumes of difference between the mindset then and the mindset now of the American people? Oh, big time, buddy. Big time. DW, jump in there. Straighten us out, buddy. Oh, no, you come to the wrong place to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, Well, to the point that Cal just spoke of there uh, at the uh, at the end of his comment, you know, you can use uh, Gordon Call and uh, – Randy Weaver is two examples of that. Oh, they were they were both uh, demonized as terrorists and domestic terrorists and and felons, and uh, so they they murdered Gordon Call, and then they they murdered uh, because they had this divine power, divine divinity. They uh, they murdered Randy Weaver's wife. And his son. And son. And his dog. Mm -hmm. And his dog. Yes. Okay. So uh, so for the 
Uh, I don't know anywhere, any other way to really put it in proper context for the virtue signaling candy ass patriot. Uh, yeah, they, those would be felons because they demonstrated the same dedication uh, uh, to liberty and freedom that Randy Weaver and Gordon Call did. Well, DW, I've got so, a question. So, were those yeah. people yeah. who killed Samuel Weaver, shot him in the back, a 14-year-old kid, shot him in the back, and then shot, uh, you know, shot Randy's wife, Vicky, in the face as she was holding her infant well, child, and she was unarmed? Yeah. Were those people prosecuted or promoted? No, Lon Harucci, uh the murderous, filthy, disgusting piece of slime scum that he is. Uh, he he went on to a, a wonderful career and, and was able to murder and kill more people. And uh, I think that was Waco, wasn't it? Yes, uh, he was at uh, sniper yeah. position number five. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. So um, all you all you all you virtue signaling patriots, I hope you're offended. I hope I'm offending you because you're you're candy asses. Uh, you you were make believe pretenders. Uh, where you would castigate castigate guys like Randy Weaver, Gordon Cole, and and the women and children, and for that matter, the men at Waco. But you would call yourself a patriot and continue to support a murderist Marxist government. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I, well, I, DW, hope you're, I hope you're yelling at me now. Well, DW, let's not forget that there was a gentleman who actually had a wave of conscience hit him in the Clinton administration. And his name was Vince Foster. And Vince decided that he couldn't live after looking at the pictures of those infants and young people who died at Waco from gas poisoning administered by the wonderful U.S. government, the FBI. After he saw the autopsies, after he saw the pictures, he could no longer live with the fact he had been a part of that. And so he had decided that he couldn't do this anymore and that he was going to tell people about what happened at Waco. But what happened to Vince Foster? Oh, he committed suicide. He decided he would rather con kill himself than tell the truth. And then the wonderful Hillary Rodham Clinton went into his office and destroyed all of his files. And folks, in any other world, that's called obstruction of justice. Why did she destroy all of his files? Folks, if you can't understand what this government is and what it does to those who are true patriots, you don't deserve rightful liberty. No, now, no, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry, DW. Go ahead, buddy. Well, I, I, I sort of got us off on the on a side road there, but um, just to just to touch base on on the. Uh, the economic relationship uh, prior to the Civil War, the misnamed Civil War, you had 80% of the taxes being paid by 20% of the people, um, and which meant that the North was receiving uh, 
Uh, <laughs> 80% of the benefit. Well, that, you know, guess what that is, guys? That's, that's socialism again, isn't it? Big time. Yep. Big time. Hmm. I just Cal, wanted to, I just want to slip that oh, in there. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Go ahead. Cal, you want to jump in? No, uh, uh, no I, I appreciate DW pointing out just how truly socialist this government is and has been from its inception. Not just corrupt, not just wicked and evil, but also socialist. I mean, everything that everybody says we're not, it actually is. And it's 180 degrees out of phase. It's no wonder people are confused. Well, uh, Cal, uh, excellent. And I was just thinking about something that the wonderful Luther Martin said. He said, any government that has unlimited taxation and a standing army to collect it is socialist. Is that incorrect? That's spot on. Your well, thoughts, that's, the heart, that's the heart and soul of socialism. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, well, let's let's just unpack that a little bit. The reason the reason it is is because it has to have the uh, monopoly and the divine. I'm using that word again, aren't I? The divine right, its imperial dignity to enforce its positivism, positive laws, legislated laws, to require performance. That's socialism, kids. <laughs> and so they have to have monopoly of violence. And ultimately violence. It, all violence doesn't actually end up being uh, where you're, you're struck or hit. Uh, coercion, extortion, uh, being compelled. Uh, I, would, I would submit to you that the level of fear and anxiety that most runs in the hearts of most people when they get a letter from the IRS is a form of intellectual or emotional violence. Uh, and... And and if if you don't obey it, then uh, they'll they'll send their bureaucrats wearing guns to enforce it. <clears throat> so that's violence, and socialism requires that that level of violence uh, to be at its command. So uh, that's the only way it can maintain itself. And the interesting thing about all socialist governments is that over any given period of time, if you track it from its origination to whatever point it's at in its lifespan, uh, every day of its existence, it becomes increasingly more violent. This is, this is uh, well-documented over 200 years. So, Well, D.W. and Cal, how would you guys, with what you just said, D.W., and you know it uh, triggered my mind, and I thought of what Patrick Henry said at the Virginia Ratification Convention about the federal sheriffs, how how do you uh, equate uh, that? And I know you're familiar, Cal. Uh, how would you uh, re- how would you relate that about the federal sheriffs that they will come into your homes and do whatever they will, and you have no say so against them? How would you address that, Cal? 
I would say Patrick Henry once again was right spot on. But the federal sheriffs, that would be every alphabet agency of the federal government. Are they, they're all now armed, aren't they? All of them? Yes. Including the post office? Yes, and the most heavily armed is the IRS. Why does this government need that much arms? Oh, that's right, because it's a socialist government of violence. They don't have to use it as long as you comply and go along and surrender your rights and do what they say and be a good little servant or a good little slave to them. They're going to kind of leave you alone. But if you, you you yearn for your own freedom, you have a thought of your own and dare to exercise it or speak it, you might run afoul of the federal sheriffs. Ooh, <clears throat> yes. Well, DW, go ahead. What you're what what you're describing is the the existence of the English people in the land of England prior to the Magna Carta, where the sheriff Nottingham had the authority to and collect and enforce. Taxes. That's what he was there for, to enforce taxes, collect, and enforcement. Sheriff of the Shire in a manorial system of feudalism, power structure. Now, let's just take this one little step further. Uh, Did the people of that time have liberty? Uh, well, conditional <laughs> with privilege. If if you if you did what you were told, you had liberty. Of course, that's 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 a form of somebody telling you what you can do, making laws that can tell you what you can do. That's not real liberty. Liberty. One aspect of liberty is when you actually own yourself. You own yourself. Uh, when you don't own yourself, you don't have liberty. You're a Ooh. subject. <laughs> okay. Or a, in this case, let's, uh, let's rebrand subject and call it something else. Citizen. You're a subject of the city. The laws of the city and the laws of the city are Roman, they're Roman civil law, and you are subject to them as a citizen, which means you don't have liberty. What that means is that if you don't own yourself, that the agents and the agencies of government have a higher jurisdiction than you. They have a jurisdiction over you. They have property rights over you. And you accept that, and then you complain about it. Okay, so uh, this, is, oh, this, is, this is what the this is. Well, I'm sorry. Oh no, uh, you're, this you're is fine, what, buddy. But isn't that what yeah. Thomas Jefferson said at one time? If you cannot own yourself, you are never free. Well, I agree with him. <laughs> I, I noticed. I, I you noticed. And Cal, you, you and Cal might know the quote exactly. But I'm just, I'm just working off of. 
I'm just reverse engineering uh, what basic fundamental political, not uh, nothing fancy here. It's called political law. Okay. And these are foundational to the conversation because we're talking about uh, Constitution. Okay. That's political law. And so, so what? So if you don't have liberty, you don't have control over your, your own life and you're subject to something else. And what the, what, what the police officer says to you, what the politician says to you, what the agents and agencies of government tell you is that their jurisdiction overrides yours. You don't even have jurisdiction over yourself. And if you don't have jurisdiction over yourself, then how can you be held responsible? You're not free. You're not free. Now, Mike, I would posit to you that you could take the last five minutes of our conversation and the context of it and put it in front of a thousand people and not one of them would come up with what I just talked about because they've never really (laughs) understood or appreciated what liberty actually is. They can spell it. They'll use it in a sentence, but they can't really put it into any meaningful context. Well, D.W., how well has this Marxist, uh, you know, education system, the public fool system, the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto, how well has this worked to dumb down the American people that they don't know whether to scratch their watch or wind their ass? <laughs> that, that creates a that, – that's an amazing picture in my mind you just wrote right there, so. <laughs> wait a minute by the way that came from my grandfather that was one of his comments oh. come on cal there we go <laughs> i love it. another grandpa gaddyism we can never get enough of those mike <laughs> never get enough of those and once again not a day goes by i don't think of one of your grandfather's quotes so <laughs> thanks again for sharing them um okay citizen uh that's DW or, or Mike, who has a final say in what the definition of words are? We According don't. To our government. According we don't. to the government, who, who gets the final say? Oh, those nine clowns in black gowns. Oh, yeah, those guys, those guys. Well, how many are aware that, in eight, I think it was 1898, Wincon, Wincon Park, the United States, the Supreme Court, in its infinite wisdom, said that the term citizen is analogous to the term subject. In other words, if you're a subject, if you're a citizen, you're the same as being a subject. Well, let's see what a subject is. Let's see. If I was a subject of the British crown, who's my sovereign? Crown? The government? Exactly. Exactly. So if I'm a citizen, which means I'm a subject of the United States, who's my sovereign? The government? Uh, If I'm a Christian, am I in conflict now? Oh, yes, you're big-time, but uh, all we need to throw in there, Cal, is 501c3, and you're right back in the congregation. And what's a 501c3? I'm admitting admitting and bragging that I'm a subject for a piece of property of the government. GI issue, man. I'm just another GI issue without being in the military. Government issue. Being (laughs) a citizen. Cal. Big-time. What? Cal. Yeah, you know, you 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 just hit it so well. I mean, that's so clear. And and this whole conversation 
I'll show you how illiterate, unquestioning, uh, uh, what would it be? <laughs> Obsequious, I don't know. Uh, Ooh, naive, careful there. gullible, <laughs> naive, gullible. Uh, what else could I use? Uh, American people are. And, and illiterate in the grammar. It, this all spins on one word. One word. It's two letters and one syllable. Of. Uh, of. That of. whole that whole statement, citizen of of the United States. Well, of is a form of possession. That that here's a little grammar lesson for you. When you say of, it means uh, that's the origin. But 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 everybody accepts that, don't they? You're of that. You're not of your of your father. You're not of uh, what you say you are. You're you're of the government. Well, if you're of the government, do you own yourself? No, no. Then you must not know <laughs> liberty. Then do you? somebody somebody owns you and can, will tell you when and where you can do something, guys. I was just thinking. Oh wait, wait I, a minute. What do you call someone who's owned by other people and are told what to do? What is what's that term they call them? Well, it's either slave, Slaves? slave, or <laughs> yeah. you know what is the other one? A uh, indentured servant. Indentured servant. Yeah. One of the other to someone else. One of the other. Any thoughts of freedom are a uh, mental masturbation. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, well, that's where we're at. That, no, <laughs> that's that, that's where we're at. That's the effectiveness of the you know the communist or Marxist indoctrination. Of course, well, this I, went on, but this was going on before Marx was around. So yeah, well, I was going to describe it to Marx, but this this indoctrination of being a citizen and how wonderful it is has been going around since well forever since they decided that so people don't want to be subjects, people don't want to be under the crown, but put them under a government that's like a crown, call it republic. Instead of calling them subject, we'll call them citizens. But hey, same thing. We're in charge, and there are slaves. Well, how and beautiful is here. That? Yeah, how beautiful is that? And I was just thinking, I've got this uh, this musket that uh, was handed down to me by my grandfather, and it has never worked, and he told me it had never worked. He said, I don't know what's wrong with it, but it will not fire. He said, I tried it for years, and it just absolutely will not work. And I've tried to make it work. I've actually tried this piece of weaponry to actual actually work and it's never worked. Didn't work for my grandfather. Didn't work for me. So I've decided to call it the USS Constitution. <laughs> Go ahead, DW. Help me out. Uh, I, I don't know. I just <clears throat> I appreciate the laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was just a good, just little good bit of humor right there. Uh, yeah, you're <laughs> right, Cal. Uh, the uh, the idea of socialism was a long around a long time before Karl Marx was even a thought in his daddy's head. Alexander Hamilton. Uh, well, I mean, you, I mean, you you can go way back. You can go back before that. You know, you yeah, can Roman Empire. You can take this. Uh, yeah. So 
these words, uh, you know, they're, uh, they think, uh, illiterate people think they have a precise meaning of what the word means because the <laughs> government told them what it means. Yes. And, uh, of course, uh, they here again, once again, they believed what the government told them and their, their government teachers told them that they gave them not, they gave them the context of what that word means. Citizen means that you're free. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, big time. And that's uh, say that's. But see, if you believe that, hang on, DW. We got a break. Your, we got a break coming up in right. a few. Finish us off here. Well, yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that, uh, as in uh, scripture, it says James one eight, a double-minded man is uncertain in all of his ways. Amen. Well, folks, support RBN. Come back with us on the other side for some scintillating conversation you won't get on Fox News. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website, by going to republicbroadcasting.org. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Kilad Atzman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race and the fact that race drives history. 
and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQRS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, I don't know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Welcome back to the, to the Rebel Madman radio program. And folks, if you only knew how hard it is for me to interrupt Levon Helm in the night they drove old Dixie down, uh, that, that song touches me every time that I hear it. And uh, so we have been talking, uh, you know, during the break uh, with uh, DW and Cal and, uh, I would love to hear uh, – let's start with Cal. He's the farthest away, and sometimes he can find that mute button. Let me see if he can. Yes, he did. He found that mute button. Cal, tell us what your thoughts are to this point in our program, sir. Thoughts to this point? Um, so far, I think we've been blowing some holes in these uh, narratives – in the indoctrination that everybody's been placed under, hopefully giving them a new perspective or a way to look at things because everything is pretty much 180 degrees out of phase. And by bringing proper terminology and proper understanding to the language, hopefully the people can find their way back to the right compass heading, so to speak. And I hope you know discussions like this help people to understand. And this only comes from a study of the source documents to be able to you know understand what was going on then, because that helps explain and understand what's happening now and what's probably going to be happening in the future. Absolutely, brother. I certainly appreciate that. And uh, DW, jump in there and. Uh uh, edify our feelings would you please sir oh i i my only intent is to hurt your feelings <clears throat> uh, go right ahead yeah well what you know if you're listening to this uh well good thanks and uh it's just a uh it's sort of an intervention we're doing a political intervention of of your conditioned and programmed perceptions of what 
the nature of this political reality is. And uh, <clears throat> the only difference I can say that we're trying to do here is that we bring the receipts. We don't, we're not really bringing the opinions. We're bringing the documents and we're just playing, applying a literal uh, analysis of them. Uh, and so it, it's sort of like an intervention that you would do with people that have been subjected and indoctrinated and lived their whole life in a cult and, or, or an alcoholic, you know, you have to hit bottom. If you're an alky, you have to hit bottom. You're in an elevator down and only you can push the button to stop. <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, some people never hit that, but stop button. They just keep drinking or you just keep living in the cult. You know, that's your, you do have that choice. You can do that. That's, that might be the only thing you have control over. But, uh, I like to use the example that, that, uh, uh, until you can admit that you have something wrong, you can't get nothing right. And how many people I like that. how many people do you how many people do you know in your personal lives? You know, just look around, think about this. Here's a here's a just a I mean, just a straight up question for everybody. How many people in your personal life since the beginning of the year? We're about at the end of February. How many people in your life, friends, family, relatives, neighbors, co workers, or even I'll even expand it to uh, online, other other talk shows, other people that do analysis. How many people have you even heard mention that they had something wrong? Admit it openly to everybody else. I had something wrong. Can you can you identify one? How, how can you? How can you re-steer? How can you correct course? How much more evidence do you need that we're off course before you correct course? And in order to do that, you have to admit you're wrong. Are you going to be that man or woman who is so emotionally invested in the mirage that they walk into the desert and just keep walking out in the desert chasing the next mirage, you know? So that's how I sum it up, Mike. Huh? Great job, DW. Uh, Cal, your thoughts, buddy? I once again reminded of Grandpa Gaddy uh, when DW says, "You know, if, if this hurts, then good." Because what was it you, Grandpa Gaddy, said or Paul said? Uh, what's it going to take for people to change, Paul? Pain, pain, pain. See, once again. <laughs> There's Grandpa Gaddy again. So thanks for that, DW. I appreciate it. Like I, well, like I said, a day doesn't go by without Grandpa Gaddy going through my head. <laughs> so once again, well, thank you, Mike, for introducing me to him. You honor me. And, guys, I got to tell you that I've got this good friend out there in Oregon who calls himself the culinary libertarian. But I think he has quickly denounced his libertarian credentials. Uh, because he suddenly came into contact with the rebel madman, and he kind of changed his philosophy about the Libertarian Party. But anyway, I he has been on me for several weeks now. I hope he uh, listens. It'll have to be on the replay. But 
I hope he listens because he has told me, he said, Mike, you would do the world a great disservice if you didn't make a compilation of Grandpa Getty's wisdom. And right now I am, guys, with all of the other things I do, and you guys know how lazy I am, uh, with all of the other things I do, I am trying to do a compilation of the wisdom that he provided for me. And I was talking with someone recently, and it's really a, I can't figure this out so many ways without bringing in divine providence. But the one thing I will remember is my grandfather had a second grade education. And he had never, uh, in, until he was in his 90s, and I started to carry him around to various parts of the country. Up until that time, you know, he had never been over 100 miles from his place of birth. So, guys, the question that keeps uh, hacking at my consciousness is, how did he obtain this wisdom? Can you guys help me out there? What are your thoughts, DW? Oh, uh, yeah, I can, I can help you out with that. It's uh, simple. Uh, you you have to be precise in you, what your understanding of that word means, and wisdom is the expression of experience. Simple as that. If you don't have any experience, you have no wisdom. None. Well, he had experience. Well, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Cal, your thoughts, buddy? Uh, your grandpa's ability to tune in and to be inspired by divine providence is best I can come up with, Mike. That's the only answer I have, Cal. I, I, you know, and I thank you for that. That's the only answer because you ask yourself, how does a man stuck in the Appalachian Mountains uh, for 90 years with a second grade education, how does he obtain wisdom? And it has to be by divine providence. I, I can't. You know, maybe someone else can tell me how this happened, but I can't. I can't put this together. But anyway, uh, let's kind of uh, jump. We've kind of jumped ship there, and uh, and I don't mind jumping in that direction. But, uh, guys, when we look at this, and here is the question I ask, and I would like to address this question to you two esteemed gentlemen. If the Tenth Amendment works, how do you explain the Civil War? You want to start with that, Cal? Yes, the Tenth Amendment doesn't work. It's just a tub to a well. It was an appeasement. It was never intended to work. Just words on paper means nothing. Well, you know, what do you? What are your thoughts, DW? Well, I, I mean that's that's pretty succinct. Uh, we could we could recapitulate what uh, George Bush, the young G George Bush, the stupid, said about it. He said it's oh, just a shrug. GD piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always kind of struck me as unusual, gentlemen, that you know we look at the Tenth Amendment, but you know you really can't understand the Tenth Amendment. 
And one thing I've noticed that the Tenth Amendment Center never does is to address the letter from Richard Henry Lee to Governor Patrick Henry in 1798 when he says that he saw, now this is Richard Henry Lee, he saw from the beginning what they were trying to do with the Tenth Amendment, how they were trying to word it with their lawyer ease, how they were trying to word it to put it into the hands of the judiciary for interpretation. And so he brought it up, he said, at in the Senate, when the Tenth Amendment was brought forward, he said, well, why don't we just eliminate the phrase at the end, or to the people? Therefore, the declaration of the rights will be to the states. And that was rejected, 20 to 2. And so then he said, well, let's put at the end of the phrase, or to the people, respectively, which would have meant that to the people of the states, respectively, and not in the states in general, or not the people in general. And that, too, was voted down 20 to 2. So, in essence, what they did, and uh, Richard Henry Lee spoke to this with the Tenth Amendment, they said all of these uh, belong to the states or to the people, and he wanted to add thereof, I'm sorry, the word thereof, to the people thereof, which was what he wanted to add, and that was voted down 20 to 2. So they meant, and Richard Henry Lee spoke to this, they meant in the Tenth Amendment that the people in aggregate could overrule any state that came up with any type decision. And folks, have we seen that by the bucketfuls? Now, how many times have you ever heard anyone address this, Cal? Other than on these shows, nobody, Mike. Nobody talks about this. It's almost as if nobody's completely is aware of it. Well, you know, if you're out there telling people that you are selling a remedy for a disease that they have called the Constitution, and you're telling them that you have an amendment which will negate the Constitution, and you are making money from doing so, why would you want anyone to contradict what you're saying? So, uh, so, so what you're saying is that Chris Ann Hall, David Barton, and the Tenth Amendment Center are selling uh, political and patriotic snake oil. Hopium. Yeah. Uh, well, all you have to do, we could play a little, we could play with words here a little bit, um, and we could we could use what people think they know. And, and expose what the words are being used for. Uh, so <clears throat> we hear a lot of we hear a lot of these uh, same people we've been naming and talking about, uh, including patriots. Say, well, we're the people. So if you say, well, okay, you claim to be we the people, that means that we can 
uh, interpose using as synonymous with people uh, citizen can't we absolutely so what what did we what did we say the people were well the people claimed to be citizens so what did we cal help me again what did we say that citizen means citizen means subject it's analogous to subject okay there there you go thanks cal thanks there there we go we just see you've got knots in your head you're not heads and we're just trying to help untie the knots and you have to untie the knots the same way they were tied. Okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> and do you ever notice that it's harder to untie a knot that's really tight than to tie it in the first place? Nah, only a commercial airline pilot would know that. You asked for it. I, I tell you what, I did. I did. You just you going to back up over me now? Just go ahead and back yeah. up. Please yeah, I'm gonna. Me. I ran over you once. Now I'm gonna back over you twice. Yeah, all right. that's fine. That's fine. You know, hey, I, Mike. I, yes, I just, sir. I just analyze this stuff the same way I would if I was sitting in the cockpit of an airplane, going going Mach point seven with decisions to make. I use the same processes. Okay. And, and, and people, you are, you have bought a ticket on a socialist airline and to destinations unknown. You're just passengers. And you have no say so about where they go. Do you? Absolutely none, because you cherish words on a piece of parchment that haven't worked in 234 years. Not once. When has this Constitution ever worked to deter a tyrant? When? Never. It wasn't designed to deter tyrants. It was designed to give tyrants more power over the people help me out here cal i'm about to jump in the river no that's that's exactly it um speaking of the 10th amendment and the 10th amendment center when we go back to you know the first congress when you know mr tudor tucker had his discussion about using the word expressly in the word in what became the 10th amendment one thing that seems to be overlooked also is you know he proposed to amend the proposition by prefixing to it, meaning this will be before it says the powers delegated by the Constitution. He wanted to put in there before it says all powers being derived from the people. Notice how that's completely missing from the Constitution. Ooh, imagine that. All powers being derived from the people. They can't have that appear in the Constitution, can they? Oh, no. So not only is it, not only in, Reading the actual debates about the Tenth Amendment, we learned that the Constitution is a document of implied powers, expressly said so by Madison himself, but also that they wouldn't want anybody to know that all powers are supposed to be derived from the people. Can't have that. Can't have that. Even though, Cal, 
even though all 50 states have a state constitution which in the majority contains that phrase but yet the supremacy clause of the constitution overrules all state constitutions and most people really can't wrap their heads around that either can they go ahead cal well that was the purpose of the supremacy clause was to override the state constitutions. Again, in the source documents, in the letters, Madison explains that to Jefferson. Or not to Jefferson, but to George Washington. Yes. He specifically states, we have to do this in order to make inroads against the state constitutions. Oh, incredible, isn't it? It's just absolutely incredible. Of course, guys, and you guys know this as well as anyone, these facts have been kept from the American public for how long? And yet we have organizations out there like Prager University and, you know, the Heretic, oh, Heritage Foundation, same thing, Heretic Foundation, and others who are out there preaching to the people, just like Chris Ann Hall and David Barton, that if we would just get back to this Constitution, everything would be fine. Well, that sounds really good, except it hasn't worked in 234 years. So why would we expect it to work now? Go ahead, DW. Let me, let me give you a little cornbread analogy of why that's futile. You ever, you ever ride in a car when you were a kid in the back seat, and while the car was going forward, you looked out the rear window? That's what the American people are doing. They have no idea. They can't see where they're going. And if you do that long enough, you get sick to your stomach. They're they're trying to go forward by looking out the back window. And the back window they're looking at is nostalgia and a romanticized mythology about people that never had the qualities that they've been mythologized to have. It's really that simple. That's why they had to restrict, uh, redact, abridge uh, the history from the point going forward, from that constitution going forward. And they had an infrastructure in place to do it, the press, the media, and, uh, and, uh, and they, they applied that. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand. It's, it's probably for the same reason that most people believe that the American experience started with the, con- the writing of the con- or 17th 75, 76, and the writing of the Constitution. They think that's when the American experience started. It started 160 years before that. But they're not aware of that either. So, uh, uh, you know, you can find the truth. It is available. But you have to say, before you can find that, you have to make room in your mind Maybe your heart. Maybe you need to find your heart. And your, that's where you'll find your courage is in your heart, not in your head. 
and ask yourself, don't yell at me. Well, of course, I don't care if you do or not. But ask yourself, what do I have wrong? Because you're rapidly running out of altitude before you slam into the ground. And you need to take corrective measures. And if you're waiting for somebody else to do it, then you've just admitted that you're a subject and a slave and and completely irresponsible of any individual responsibility. You're expecting somebody else to do this for you again if you can't ask yourself that question. Maybe you should help me now, Mike, because I'm headed for the ditch here. All right, you're running off into the ditch there, buddy. Well, I would bet that our friend out there at Lake Havasu can probably pull us both out of the ditch. Cal, you ready? Uh, I don't know if I can pull us all out of the ditch. <laughs> well, give it a give it a give it's it a, a yank. A, well, you, the hmm. one thing is, is the two of you aren't headed for the ditch. The two of well, you we got thirty are, seconds. Got thirty seconds. Close us out there, buddy. Mike, your 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 pointing your compass is pointing towards true north. So your compass isn't going to take you into the ditch. It's everybody else whose compass is pointing. You know, to them, it's pointing north when actually they're headed south. They're headed for the ditch, and that's because you've accepted the truth. You've looked at the historical documents, and you've accepted and followed the truth that you find there. Most people reject the truth, and thus when you reject the truth, you cease to be an honest person. Absolutely. Well, here comes the music, folks. We'll see you on the other side. Support RBN if you can. Thank you. Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit RepublicBroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth. 